0: I want to start today with a question, um, and it's not a rhetorical question, it's a audience participation, um, why do people work, why do people have jobs, shout out some answers, pay the, money. Pay the bills, money, yeah, um, to yeah, <laughs> that's a good reason, yeah, feel like you're contributing kind of to society and stuff, yeah. Occupying themselves? Yep. Anything else? Sense of work? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, there are all sorts of reasons um, that, that people work. For a lot of people, uh, work is a, a means to an end. Um, whether that end is feeding our families, or uh, buying the latest fancy gadgets, or, or cars, funding our leisure activities, or helping us feel useful um, to society. That sort of thing. Work is basically a necessary evil to help me to achieve my goals. Um, for other people, work is the, the be all and end all. It is, it is everything, it is their life. It's what, what, what drives them and motivates them, uh, gives them meaning and purpose, and it dictates everything else that happens. And I guess those, those are the, the two extremes, um, but we all probably uh, lean one way or the other, um, I would say. Uh, and the reason you go into work will impact how you work, so if, if you're just there to pick up your pay packet, you're going to do the, the minimum that you need to do to to get your money, to make sure that you keep getting your money every month without being fired. Um, I guess it doesn't matter if you pull a few sickies, spend a bit of time on Facebook or or whatever it is, um, as long as you're, you're getting your uh, wage at the end of the month, it's all okay. To give an example of the other extreme, if you're working for the status um, that, that a job, um, the job might bring you, you might be working flat out like seven days a week, um, you know, working all hours to please your boss, um, to try and get that, that next promotion to step up uh, on the ladder, um, on the way to getting to the top. Um, if, if you don't know me, um, I've got a full-time job um, working for a company called Cuba. Um, which is based in Sheffield, um, not on a Caribbean island, and um, be quite a commute. Um, and, and I love it. Um, I really enjoy the work that I do. Um, it pays well, and there's good um, kind of opportunities for, for progression as well. Um, and I really enjoy working with my colleagues. And I know that it's, a, it's such a great privilege. And I'm really thankful to God that I'm in a job that, that I love. And I know that's not the case for, for many people. Um, but I do still often have the attitude that work is just kind of a way to get money so that I can buy nice things um, and, and, and feel successful. And if I'm honest, God doesn't usually figure much in when I think about the way that I work. Um, but as we come to these next few verses in Ephesians, Paul suggests that Christians should have a different approach to work. God should make a difference to our work. And we should have a ra- radical attitude of wholehearted obedience. Um, so I've kind of broken this down into, into four parts. First of all, we're going to have a look at um, slaves um, and and how that kind of relates to us today. Um, then we're going to have a look at um, how, how we should work, uh, the, the commands that Paul gives to us. Uh, then we're going to see uh, three motivations that Paul gives us for working this way. Uh, and finally... Um, We'll, we'll have a look at people in other situations who are not um, employed um, but yeah let's, let's take a step back from work for a minute um, let's go back to, to the first verse that we read uh, that, that Joan read for us uh, verse 5 it says slaves obey your earthly masters so let's stop there a minute there's, there's two questions that you might have already first of all is Paul condoning slavery here? is he saying that it's okay To take people captive against their will and to make them work for no pay? Uh, The short answer is no. Um, Slightly longer answer, there's two parts to it. So, first of all, Paul, by by talking to slaves, isn't necessarily saying that slavery is okay. Um, He's just giving instructions to those who find themselves in that particular situation. Uh, Paul says in a different letter, in in, the first letter to Corinthians, if a slave is able to gain his freedom, then he should. And that's a good thing. Um, but apparently, um, uh, I was looking up some stats, and uh, apparently over a quarter um, of people in the Roman Empire were slaves um, in the first century. Um, and Paul was was writing with spiritual revolution in mind, not not political revolution. Yeah, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, like a lot of the Jews were waiting for Jesus because they thought he was going to bring this political revolution, uprising against the Romans. But that's, that's not what Jesus came to do and that's not what Paul is teaching either. Uh, second of all, a slave in the Roman Empire was not necessarily the same as what we think of as, as slaves. Um, they are often highly educated. They are often uh, paid a wage that would help them uh, to feed their families. Uh, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a life that you would choose to have um, if, you could, if you could avoid it, if you could live in a different way. Um, slaves were deemed as property, and their masters could do what they wanted with them. Um, and they, d- they didn't have any protection from that under the law. Uh, you might you might be treated well, you might be treated badly. Um, it depended on the master and how valuable you were. And I don't want to go any any deeper into this today. There's, there's a lot more that we could say about that. Um, but if you're interested, Ian did a great sermon on 1 Peter. Um, about five years ago, which is on the church website, so go and have a listen to that. Um, and there's a lot more stuff about uh, about slavery in there. And um, so the second question, I said there were two. And um, second question, what 1st century Roman slaves got to do with 21st century British employees? Why am I talking about work when Paul's talking about slaves and masters? And um, well, slaves in one way, we're essentially employees just with far fewer rights than we enjoy in this country today. Um, and if Paul is telling uh, the slaves that, that they should um, work this way, then I guess we, we shouldn't be expecting to work any, any less. And um, we, we shouldn't follow those commands any less than the slaves did. Uh, I think the other thing is that we can, um, we can apply Paul's words more generally to, to any sort of um, social hierarchy um, in chapter 5, verse 21, um, Paul says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, I guess that's, that's kind of a heading for this section that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Um, so we looked at wives and husbands, uh, we looked at uh, children and parents last week, um, and we're looking at uh, slaves and masters today. Um, but I think it's, it seems like um, this is not an exhaustive list of, of human uh, kind of authority-based relationships. These are kind of examples that, that Paul gives uh, in Romans chapter 13. Paul says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So whether they're good or bad, we should respect the authorities that are in place because God Himself has put them there, uh, and that applies across the board, government and people as uh, students and teachers and certainly employers and employees. So I guess this this means that if you're not in work at the minute and um, this this still applies to you. Okay so we've established that Paul's words do apply to us and um, what what does he actually say? what are his instructions to us And um, in a nutshell, uh, Christians are called to be wholeheartedly obedient in our work. If you look down at your Bibles, if you've still got them open, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 says, it starts with, Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Verse 6, obey them. Verse 7, serve. So they all start with with an imperative, uh, like an action to take. To submit to our employers is to be uh, obedient to them, to serve them. And These are not words that we tend to like to hear much really are they and um, in the in the age of the individual to be told that we should submit or to be obedient to someone is a bit kind of old-fashioned a bit uh, twee um, you know you're not, you're not a dog you, no one owns you you can kind of do what you want you shouldn't be forced to be obedient to someone and um, live how you want control your own destiny I was, I was having a look online at what people were saying are the top reasons for becoming self-employed um, not that I'm looking in case anyone from Cuba is listening to this just just to so say that uh, invariably on the list um, well I know I looked at lots of lists on all of the lists um, the number one reason um, that people wanted or that people should be self-employed is that you get to be your own boss basically to be under another boss is is kind of you know, that's, that's, that's not really a good thing. You know, you want to be your own boss, if possible. Um, be your own boss. Um, obviously, I'm not saying that self-employment is a bad thing. Um, it, but I think that gives you some insight into the values uh, of our culture. People don't like the idea of being told what to do. Um, but the command from God um, is to be obedient. Do what your boss tells you to do. There's no room for, I don't feel like it today, or that's beneath me, get someone else to do it, or I'd rather be doing something else, and just get on with it, be obedient. Um, But Paul doesn't stop there, does he? He doesn't stop at just obedience. He wants us to uh, obey with sincerity of heart, verse 5. Obey from your heart, verse 6. Serve wholeheartedly, verse 7. So this isn't first and foremost about change, in behaviour, it's about a changing attitude. You might remember um, back in Chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about putting on the new self and being renewed in the attitudes of your minds. And I guess this is an example of, of doing that in the real world. You might be thinking, actually, I'm, I'm pretty obedient at work. I, I do what I'm told. Um, I work like the hours that I get paid for. Um, I work hard. And think, what, what is your attitude like? Do you not sometimes work a bit grudgingly or a bit half-heartedly or to the, the minimum standard that you can get away with? Well, Paul calls us to be different as Christians. He calls us to do our work uh, joyfully and to the best of our abilities all the time. We're called to wholehearted obedience. And there are no conditions here. Paul doesn't say that slaves should only obey their masters if their master is kind and, and nice to them. Um, in fact, in in 1 Peter, um, Peter says that slaves should obey, he specifically says slaves should obey even if their master is harsh and mean. Uh, I'm not saying that you should let people trample all over you like a doormat all the time. If you're not being treated well at work, it, it might be the best thing for you to leave that job and find something else. Um, That's something to talk about with, you, with your uh, close friends. Um, but this this passage says that while we are employed uh, we should be working obediently, wholeheartedly obediently um, for our employer and it's not just when we know the boss is watching um, but when we know that they aren't as well any slave would obey their master if they knew they were watching because uh, they don't want to get beaten they don't want to be um, kind of, I was going to say fired, uh, can't really be fired as a slave, but, and uh, they, they wouldn't want to be uh, treated even worse than they might have already been treated. Um, so I guess the, the, this is really radical, this is really countercultural. Most people would think you're crazy for giving your all while the boss is you know, away on holiday or, or not keeping tabs on you and um, for being thorough and conscientious if you're being given a hard time. So God should make a huge difference to our work, uh, but why should we work in this way? And how do we how do we cultivate that attitude in our hearts? And um, so we've got three uh, motivations, um, and this this is where I want to spend um, most of our time. Um, this this has had a real impact on my own heart, I think, and has kind of changed our our viewed work um, this week. Um, and, and, yeah, Paul, Paul gives us a totally different, exciting uh, perspective on work, which I hope will blow will you away, um, as it has done for me. So three motivations for being wholeheartedly obedient. Number one, it's God's will, which is a pretty good reason for doing anything, really. Um, for Christians, this should be, I guess, the only motivation that we really need. God commands, and we should listen and do what he says. Verse 6 says, uh, Obey, doing the will of God. It is God's will that we should work with an attitude of uh, submissive uh, obedience. Uh, but there's a bigger point that we can imply from this as well. Um, it is God's will that we should work, full stop. Work is actually part of God's design for humanity. It's not the result of the fall. It's not, it's not part of our sin-spoiled world. Uh, it is obviously impacted it is tainted by by sin Um, but work was there before the fall work has always been part of God's plan Uh, back in Genesis God called Adam and Eve to work Um, sometimes this is called the cultural mandate Um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the earth and over every living creature that moves on the ground So God has called us to take the raw materials that we have and and to make things from it, to make uh, beautiful and useful things um, that will kind of uh, improve our society. And I guess that's what work is. Um, And I think that means that there'll be work for us in the new creation as well. And when Jesus returns and he makes everything new, we'll have jobs. Um, that, that might depress you a little bit. I don't know, you might be thinking, oh I, I don't know if I want to go there now. Um, but that's, that's probably because our experience of work is tainted by sin. As, as we've said, we, we do live in a sin-spoiled world. And work can feel hard and it can feel dull and pointless at times. Um, but in the new creation, work is going to be exactly as God intended it to be. It'll be joyful, it'll be exciting, and it will be ultimately fulfilling. So we shouldn't see work as a means to an end or a necessary evil. Um, if we're only working for our pay packet or our retirement, uh, or just for, for something to do to keep busy, um, it's going to be difficult to have that attitude of wholehearted obedience, isn't it? But if we see work as God's will, not just for us individually, but for, uh, for humanity, we'll be uh, motivated to work joyfully and obediently. I think there's another implication of this as well, um, which is that um, we shouldn't see uh, Christian employment as the only kind of work that matters. Being a, a carer or a teacher or a cleaner or an accountant is not somehow less God's will uh, than being a minister or a charity worker. Don't be fooled by that way of thinking. Obviously, it's good, it's good for people to go into full-time Christian ministry if that's your calling. Uh, I'm not saying nobody should do it. Um, we, we need pastors, and we need charity workers, and, and they are good things to do. Um, but the, ma- the vast majority of us are not called to that. We're called uh, to serve God uh, where we are right now. And, and you can't forget the fact that you are uniquely in your position. You are quite probably only, only the, the, the only Christian person in your place of work. And even if you're not, even if there are, there are other Christians there as well, you are the only one with your particular relationships and, and, and the only one who can have the kind of impact that, that you can have. And you are the only one that God has put in your position, so your work isn't of secondary importance because it's not in the religious sector. So that's uh, motivation number one, to work obediently. It's God's will. and G- Jesus is our example in this, I guess, isn't he? Jesus obeyed uh, his his master, and he obeyed the father, and and, and came down and worked. Uh, well, he worked as a carpenter for uh, quite a bit of his life. Um, I've always wondered, you know, was Jesus a good carpenter? Did he like would he have been absolutely amazed at the things he could do with with wood? And, and I think the answer is probably not, because. Uh, You know, we're told that there's nothing earthly that would attract us to Jesus. He wouldn't necessarily have been the best carpenter in the world. Maybe not even in Nazareth. Um, But he would have worked at it with wholehearted obedience to his master. I guess probably his dad would have been his master. Um, But he would have worked at it uh, with wholehearted obedience. So the second motivation... Um, for working with an attitude of wholehearted obedience is that we are serving Christ himself look at the repetition that Paul uses to get this point across verse 5, just as you would obey Christ verse 6 like slaves of Christ verse 7, as if you were serving the Lord, not men Uh, it it seems like a few commentators have said that that verse is better translated as those who serve, serve the Lord So in other words, by obeying our master, by obeying our employer, we are serving God. Um, And we we probably wouldn't think it's okay to be half-hearted in our service of God. We might might be half-hearted, but we wouldn't say that that's a good thing to do. So we shouldn't think it's okay to be half-hearted in our service of our boss either. Some people might think... This looks like you, you know, you're being the boss's pet, um, or or where to that effect? Um, but there's actually something much bigger, something cosmic going on. When we submit to our boss, we are submitting to Christ himself. We are pleasing God through that. I don't know if you've ever thought much before about um, how to be a Christian in the workplace. I think often the things that, that go through our minds um, uh, sort of in terms of doing godly stuff while I work so things like telling my colleagues the gospel or not getting drunk at staff parties or uh, stopping to, to pray for wisdom before before you go into a meeting or tackling a difficult, difficult issue obviously these are, these are excellent things to do um, as, as employees but Paul explains that the primary way that we serve God in our work is by serving our boss and uh, for me this is a, a seismic shift in, in the way that I think about work. I've never really thought about it in this way before. That, um, that as we are obeying our bosses, as we are working, um, we are obeying Christ. And that is the primary way that we, that we please God in our work. Um, I guess this this does mean if our boss asks us to do something which we know is against what Christ commands, Christ is the ultimate boss. He is he is at the top of the path so we should obey him first. Um, so God, God is the final authority. Uh, the final motivation that Paul gives us for being obedient employees is that there'll be a reward. So for many slaves, and um, there'd be very little reward for their hard work, if any. Uh, and it might lead them to work uh, in a way that, you know, not particularly hard. Uh, you might you might feel the same, you might feel like you've worked really hard over the past year but you didn't get the promotion, or maybe at times you've gone above and beyond what's expected of you and no one has recognised the extra work that you've done. I mean, these things aren't really comparable to a slave. Uh, Getting a beating for doing the job. But it's the same principle. Um, I haven't got uh, back what I've put in. So I'm going to stop putting it in. There was a news uh, article on on BBC News this week about the world's most generous bosses. Uh, One boss in the USA gave his staff $7,500 to go on holiday every year. Once a year they had to take a holiday for a week. And and he gave them $7,500 to take that holiday. And the only condition was that they were not allowed to look uh, at any of their work emails, take any work phone calls, think about work at all. If they did, uh, then, uh, then the, the money was taken off them. And apparently no one has ever uh, broken that yet. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Um, there, there was another boss in India who's recently started giving gifts to his employees. Um, apparently this company has about uh, five or 6,000 employees and uh, more than 1,200 of them have already been recipients of apartments and cars and expensive jewellery. Um, he just goes around giving, giving gifts to his workers, uh, because I guess because he, he values them. But whether we've got a generous boss or a stingy boss, earthly reward shouldn't have an impact on the way that we work. We shouldn't expect our reward for work to be in the here and now because we have an incredible reward to look forward to in the new creation which which will will far outweigh any of of those earthly rewards. Even uh, a $7,500 holiday and this this reward I'll say again this reward is not tied to our vocation. It's the same whether we're a minister or a midwife or a lawyer or a vet. So three big motivations there for us to work with attitudes of wholehearted obedience. It is God's will and it is Christ that we are serving. And there's a great reward in store for us. Now I'm conscious that there are lots of you here who uh, are not in employment right now, whether that's through illness or disability or just an inability to find a job. Uh, Please don't be disheartened. The reality is we live in a sin-spoiled world and things are not the way that they should be. But we know that God is sovereign and he is in charge of your life and the the situation that you are in right now. And know that you're not excluded from either the commands or the promises. And the same goes for those who are retired or students or stay-at-home parents or anything else other than regular employment. God wants us to serve obediently in whatever situation we're in. Uh, it might take a bit more thought about how that works out for you in your particular situation. Um, but just think about what, what areas of your life are you under someone else's authority? And is your attitude one of wholehearted obedience? And, uh, and please pray for, for those of us who are employed that we would display the attitudes that we've been talking about and encourage and challenge us to be like the Lord Jesus and, and tell us if you, see, uh, if you see us thinking too much or too little of work and finally look forward to the new creation when you will be able to work, um, work uh, an, an amazing, amazing job which will be fulfilling um, and exactly as God designed So we've seen what a Christian employee should look like. Um, Paul now turns his attention to masters. What should a Christian boss look like? He says in verse 9, masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. Again, it's radical, it's countercultural, A boss isn't supposed to exploit his workers in order to get the most out of them, to get the most uh, to earn the most money but to treat them fairly and the motivation for this is essentially the same, you are not the ultimate boss God is and each employee is equal to to each employer um, in, in value in God's sight you are still under God's command as a boss and you are promised the same reward Okay, so let's wrap up. Um, Christians should have a radical attitude to work. We shouldn't see work as a means to an end, and we shouldn't see work as a kind of uh, saviour, something that will uh, fulfil us. We shouldn't think too little of it, that it's just a way to get food on the table, and we shouldn't think too much of it, that it becomes our top ambition and our number one priority in life. Instead, we should see it as a great, exciting uh, sphere of our life in which we can serve and please our Heavenly Father. And we do this by working at it uh, with an attitude of wholehearted submission and obedience. Uh, if you're the kind of person who likes a tick list of application points at the end of the sermon, uh, I'm one of those people. and um, I'm afraid you're out of luck today. Um, everyone's situation is so different and I, and I don't want to kind of put definites on when I don't know everybody's position. Um, And and this, really, as I've said before, this is about a change in attitude. Um, And I hope that you'll be able to work out what that means for you personally. And I hope hope that you leave here more excited about next week, about uh, waking up tomorrow and going into work than you were last week. I hope that as you travel into work tomorrow, um, you will know that in in everything, you are serving God, your Heavenly Father, and pleasing Him as you do it. Let's pray.